Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. It's a very simple title of a message. And I said, what, I, I, there's a reason why I titled this, and you're going to see in about, mm, let's say, 25 minutes. I'll, I'll mark it at 25 minutes. You're going to see why I named it this, and when it happens, you'll catch it. Today's message is titled, Happy Birthday, Jesus. And what we're going to do is a little bit different. A, a few weeks ago, we had our brother Doug come up here so gracefully, uh, just bless us with the word and, and um, how the Lord just um, uses him and to speak the word, and I kind of want to do something in where we could just kind of follow in that and look at Luke chapter 2 together. I said, man, what should we do on Christmas Eve? So many different messages as we've been preaching throughout this month, so many different things that we could do, so many different avenues. You can never cease preaching about Jesus, obviously. But I said, here's something beautiful. Let's go to Luke chapter 2 together, and let's just read through the gospel and see what this is all about today. And let's just have, and from there, once we're done reading, we'll have a little something in the middle, and then we'll finish up reading, and then we'll, we're going to just close off in prayer, and everyone could go and get ready for your uh, celebrations, festivities in the next couple of days. But I want to go ahead, and I'm going to make two points today. Here are my two points. You should write these down. Number one, I'm going to talk about how it all started, and number two, I'm going to talk about how it all ended. There's always a story. Um, if you've known me, long enough, you'll know that I could, I could speak about anything, but I'm a bad storyteller. I massacre stories. Something just happened. I get home. I try to say what happened, and the story is broken into pieces, and I'm all over the place, and it didn't make sense. I'm a bad storyteller. I go all over the place, and I, know, I don't think I ever hit home, <laughs> okay? Um, but today, I'm going to try to stick to the word and let the word tell the story, and we're going to see how it started and we're going to see how it ended. Because there's a point where someone's talking to you like, okay, okay, I see how it started, but where's the end? You've ever had a conversation with someone and you're just waiting for the end? I'm praying that today I get to the end. <laughs> that you don't look at me and say, come on, just get to the end already, for goodness sakes. My house is burning down. I got the... But we'll get there. Happy birthday, Jesus, is what we're going to look at today. And We've already come to the understanding, yes, Jesus was not born on December 25th. Sorry for the one that's here that says, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He wasn't, and we've learned that, we've grown in that, and, and it's okay, but we still celebrate him, and, and really it's not about a day. We, we celebrate Jesus' arrival and his coming all the time, right? Our job is not to idolize a day. Though we do a good job with December 25th, but it's not to idolize a day or the activities that a season may bring. Our, our responsibility is to take any and every opportunity that we have to glorify Jesus. You guys in agreement with that? I'll say it again just in case you missed it. Our responsibility is to take any and every opportunity that we get or that we have to glorify Jesus. And the beautiful thing is that Christmas opens the door for us to do this. Christmas opens up up the door for us to invite someone. Some of you were invited to be here today. Some of it invites uh, for you to share the word with someone, to give a gift to someone. Christmas is a beautiful moment where it's an open door, it's an opportunity to glorify the Lord. And Christmas does that. It's such a beautiful season for that. But it's a day in which we stop, in which we should stop. Stop in the moment of gift giving. Stop in the moment of all the conversations and think and ponder. It's a moment that we honor. We commemorate the birth of our Savior. We say happy birthday, Jesus. And that's our message today. There's a scripture that eventually I'm going to read through the whole context of it in Romans chapter 5. But this is what Christmas is all about. I'll end with this eventually. But I'll start to then end with it. So when I get to Romans, you already know I'm ending. So here it is. It's in Romans 5.19. It says, For as by one man's disobedience, 
the many, many were made sinners, and by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. And that's what Christmas is about. We learned that last week. That we all fell. We, we, we all sin. We all fall short. And we said that Christmas, a lot of Christmas, most of Christmas, it deals with our sin. But praise God that, yes, through sin nature of Adam, and, and, and though we sin, and though we fall, and though our heart can be crooked at times, and though we, though we could gossip here and there, I mean, none of you do this. But, you know, we gossip over here and over there, or we get a little bit jealous over there, or, or, or we begin to slander a little bit over here, or, or we become a little bit lustful over there, and, we, be, and we, we have sin in our lives. But it says, there's this promise, there's this beautiful reminder, and it says, but, this, but there's this other man, and to this other man, obedience, his obedience, he walked and he lived and even died in obedience so that many would righteous. Thank you, Lord, that's speaking of Jesus, that Jesus came, and now all of my disobedience can now be cloaked, carried upon. I could, I could carry his righteousness. And now I could look at the Father, and the Father won't look at me and say, vanish from my presence. But now he could say, good job, welcome, enter into the glory of the Lord. Why? Because of one man's righteousness. How many of you could say amen? That your unrighteousness in Christ becomes righteousness. And that's a beautiful reminder in Scripture. It's not in anything that you and I can do, but it's in the one who came. It says here, for unto us a child is born. Isaiah says it in chapter 9, verse 6. He came to be our righteousness. And what's the only thing that we could do? Look at this banner. Now we come and let us adore him. He's come for us, and now we go to him, and we adore him. Amen to that. We adore him. So how did it all start? Let's look at Luke chapter 2. If you're with me, we're going to go to verse 1. And in verse 1, we we see the birth of Jesus. For you guys, we're we're skipping through very important parts. Um, Gabriel, the angel, has come to Mary. Hey, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, how? I don't know, man. I'm not even married yet. I'm engaged, but you know... I need to be married to have a kid. He's like, well, this is how it's going to happen. You see, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to get impregnated, and and inside of you is going to be a child, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the son of God. And she's like, whoa, right? And and then Joseph, it's a a struggle for him now because his fiance now is pregnant, and he needs to trust her that the, (laughs) the Holy Spirit got her pregnant. Okay? And maybe, maybe, um, you see, I'm not Joseph. Joseph was a good man. Uh, Because right there, there would have been very severe problems. You know what I'm saying? What what do you mean? What do you you mean the Holy Spirit got you pregnant? Like, what are you talking about? And and she's like, yes, you have to trust me. It's part of the plan. And and, and Joseph, you could tell there was a struggle going on with Joseph. and, And the angel has to come to him in his sleep. Hey, wake up. And he's like, I got to talk to you. I know, I know uh, your wife-to-be just told you that she's, gonna, that she's, it's true, okay? She's going to get pregnant. It's going to be Jesus. Name him Jesus. Whatever you do, don't name him after yourself. Just name him Jesus. And after you name him Jesus, know he's the son of God, and it's going to be beautiful. You're going to see what's going to So now Joseph comes to believe. And now we see that Mary's pregnant. And there's a problem in the land. We see, and we, that's where we're at in Luke chapter 2, in verse 1. It says, at the time... The Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius, Cornelius, forgot his, how to pronounce that correctly, was governor of Syria. But look at this. All people returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, did you know that Jesus was called the son of David? He comes from the lineage of David. He comes from King David himself to fulfill prophecy from the root of David. He has, he has to go, go now to Bethlehem in Judea, which is David's an, um, ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Joseph Mary, to whom he was engaged. And was now expecting a child. Can you imagine introducing Mary during this time? 
It was, it was not common and it was not respectful for a man to be with a woman and say, here's my fiance and she's pregnant with our son Jesus and everyone's looking at him like, wait, she's your fiance and th- that, th- that's very embarrassing. That's a, that, there's a lot that goes into that. And what we see here is that there's this Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, and, and, and he, everyone now needs to be registered. It's the time for the census. And, and what he does is, it's so impressive, this, this, this Caesar Augustus, this one man who lived in palaces, ivory palaces, a man with power, this man that, that lived with great respect in Rome. He gives this one command, one command, and the whole world His whole world responds to one command. Can you imagine having such power that you tell everyone you need to go back to the home of your ancestors? We we need to count. We need to do a census. And everyone under the command of Caesar Augustus responds. You read that and you're like, whoa, he was definitely a powerful person. Uh, If you read scholars, he was a great leader, someone who was highly respected, and he gives one little command. Everyone needs to go back to their towns, and everyone picks up, packs up their bags and goes, and in this story, Mary's there, and Joseph's there, and she's pregnant, and she's about to pop. The baby's coming, and how uncomfortable is this? All you want to do is stay home, but she has to travel now, and all of this is to fulfill prophecy. All of this is to do exactly what the Word of God says. You could say that up to this point of history, there may never have been a man that had so much power during this region in this time other than this man right here, Caesar Augustus, one of the most powerful men up to this day. But we see that Augustus, with all of his fame, with all of his power, with all of his might, with all of his accomplishments, please catch this, could not be the answer. God allows this man, Caesar Augustus, to rise to this power, to this power, to this place of authority for many reasons. In some ways, many scholars will call him the Roman John the Baptist. If you think about him, preparing the way for Jesus. But at the end of the story, what is important is always and will always be Jesus. Think about this today, church. Who does the world, who do we know more about today? If I were to say to you, give me five facts about Caesar Augustus and give me five things about Jesus, I am sure that maybe you could do one for Caesar Augustus and you'll give me more than five for Jesus. Who's more popular today? Who's spoken more about today? Who's recognized more today? The world knows more about Jesus than they do about Caesar Augustus. My question to you is, who has the long-lasting legacy? See, man can be used by God, but man is never God. In verse 6, it says, while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Guys, this is Christmas. Jesus is going to be born in Luke chapter 2 as it is being written, and it says she gave birth to her firstborn Son, Did you guys catch that? Not her only son. Again, I know I, I, I busted your bubble when I said that he was not born on December 25th. I'm going to bust another one. Mary had more children. Jesus had brothers and Jesus had sisters because Mary and Joseph got married and she got pregnant more than once by Joseph. Now you, you could use your imagination. Just consider how that happened. So she gives birth to her firstborn son, and it says that she wraps him up, as the New Living says it, I love how the word is here, snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because, listen to these words, there was no lodging available for them. When you read verse 7, what comes upon you? When I read verse 7, humility comes upon me. 
Because what I think about is like streets of gold, and I'm going to build many palaces, and I'm thinking about the legions of angels that sing Hosanna, and that sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What I'm thinking about is a person, a deity, God himself, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father in glory, in splendor, in majesty, whose presence flows from the throne and fills everyone of all in all eternity, and yet on earth there was no room for him. The one that created all existence, that from the word of God, Jesus himself, everything that came, came. It was made by him, for him, through him, all of it in Jesus and through Jesus. And when it was time for him to be born, verse 7 says, there was no lodging available. Can you imagine that? I created all of this, and yet there is no lodging. Is there? What was his lodging when you read the verse? He came to earth. Earth was the lodging place. His feet, his body has now entered and it's touching our earth. And they wrap him up in swaddling clothes or snugly clothes. Remarkable. In, these, in this swaddling clothes that, that he's being laid in a manger, in a feeding trough of animals, not a... I mean, I remember when my kids were born, everything had to be like clean and, 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 and desensitized and everything, and all the instruments and had to, and everyone gloves and masks and you couldn't, and everything was like, oh, it was, it was, it was a sight. And here's Jesus and he's born. He's born where there are animals. He's born where they eat. Imagine the poop. Imagine the smell. Imagine the animals. And that is where Jesus, the creator of all, who sits in glory, who today we worship and we praise and sing songs to, the one who lives inside of us, Jesus himself, this is where he comes to be born. And no place available to him but this. But I look at verse 7, I say he had a place to be because his place was not to be born in an upscale hospital. His place was not to be born in a palace of his time, his place is to be born and alive in the hearts of humanity, in the souls of humanity, so that we could be born again by him being alive in us. Oh, he has a place to abide, and it's in you. How many of you can say amen? amen. One scholar points out that this snugly clothes, swaddling clothes, it comes from the ancient Greek meaning to tear meaning that there were torn strips of cloth that they wrapped around Jesus. Not even Jesus got the greatest of garments to wrap himself in. I mean, now we make all kinds of things for our kids when they're born, linen stuff, and make sure that they're comfortable, and we cover their heads so they can be warm, and, and we do things so they don't scratch themselves, and we wrap them a certain way. I, I mean, uh, Gerson, Vanya, am I right? We do all these things. And here's Jesus and they're ripping off pieces of cloth to wrap up the Savior of humanity. The creator, I mean, goodness, this is, this is Christmas for us. There was no room for them. They're in a public place. There's travelers all around them. There's noise. People are going for the census, going to their hometown, where their ancestors are from. There's traffic all over the place, men, traffic, dust, dirt, children probably playing around them, making noise, women talking, maybe gossiping by the well, doing what we do as humans, so much commotion going on, and yet here we see in Luke chapter 2, the kingdom of heaven is among humanity. In all the craziness, come on, I want you to stop for a moment in verse 7 and think about this. In all the craziness of Jesus' day, Jesus is there present in front of the women by the well, the children throwing the ball around, the traffic of people traveling home. Is that, does that not sound like our world today? Oh, we got to hurry up. I'm going to talk about my family for a moment. Ready? I got to take one to this practice. The other one has to take the other one to the other practice. And then maybe we could meet up and have dinner at the same exact time. And then maybe there's homework from there. And then maybe the other person will be. And then we have to go to this person's thing. And then we got to make sure we got to make that phone call. And we're so busy. And have we stopped to consider that in the busyness of Luke chapter 7 and the busyness of your day, Jesus is present. Have we considered him? And that's what Christmas is about. 
that Jesus has not disappeared. Jesus has not left us. Jesus is still here, and Jesus is present. He's present. You start to read the first seven verses, and it's humbling. It's, it's, you, could get, you could grab so many different things. I'm hoping that as I'm reading it, you're getting your own stuff from it. But it doesn't end there. I want you to see Christmas Day as we know it. I want you to see all the events that take place. From there, we're going to keep reading. And it says this, that night, everyone say that night. That night. That night, the night where everything's going on, Jesus is born in a manger, there's, do- there's, there's animals, there's this, there's smells, there's people, there's Mary, oh my gosh. Imagine that sight. There's Joseph, oh my God, I'm carrying my son. My, is he my son? God, he's my son, right? He's my son. And like, just imagine this whole day. And while all that's going on, everyone say that night. All that is going on in that night. Say that night. That night. While all that's going on, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby. And they were guarding their flocks of sheep. Here are shepherds now being introduced. I read verse 7 in the way my brain says, whoop, this was like a squirrel moment. We went from the manger to the field with with the, I said, Luke writes the way my mind thinks. He went from the manger to, oh, by the way, there was a field with shepherds. Okay, now we're on shepherds. Okay, we're on shepherds now, okay? So what's up with the shepherds? They're in the field, and they're guarding the flocks. They're taking care. They're tending the flocks. And, and, and they're there. They're these country shepherds. They're known as Bethlehem's shepherds. And if you study these shepherds, they're interesting because these shepherds were known to take care of temple flock, meaning that the sheep that they're taking care of are sheep that belong to the temple. These were sheep that many of them would be what? Sacrificed and offered up. Where? At the temple. They're shepherds are taking care of the sheep that are going to be offered up to the presence of the Lord at the temple. And angels appear to them while they're working. And it says that suddenly an angel of the Lord appears and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified. How would you, how would you have dealt with this? I mean, it's dark. We've been to this field. I've stood at this field. There is not a light pole still today at this field. At nighttime, it is very dark. And they're taking care of the sheep. And out of nowhere, the light of heaven shines. And an angel appears. And the angel assures them or reassures them in verse 10. He says, don't be afraid. So how do you think they were? They were afraid. They were terrified. They were scared. We're dead. Who knows what they thought? And the angel says, don't be afraid. But look what the angel does. The angel says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The angel is bringing the gospel to the hearts of the shepherds. The angels are preachers of the gospel. The angels are ushering in the gospel. You've ever had an angel usher in the gospel in your heart? Just bring the word of God to you. In a time where maybe you were afraid. What is Christmas about? I want you to catch the little snapshots of this day. Like look at the little the frames, the picture frames of every single event that happens in Luke chapter 2, and catch yourself in there. You've ever been terrified? You've ever been afraid? You've ever feared for your life? Feared for a family member? You just, there's fear, there's there's this turmoil within you, there's this great concern that's going on, what's going to happen, whatever it is. And the Lord comes and says, be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. And this is what the angel says to the fear He says, I bring great joy to all people. What is the Lord's goal in humanity? To bring joy into your life. Church, I could only be as honest as you can. Here we go. Ready? Let's be honest. Is there great joy on this Christmas moment? Tomorrow you wake up, the sun rises, and it's Christmas Day. 
But does joy rise? Is there joy in your heart? Or do you wake up still complaining? You still wake up with anger? You still wake up with hurt? Bitterness? The angel says, shh, I got good news for you. Joy has come. Come on, happy birthday, Jesus. Can you find yourself in the field? Can you find yourself as a shepherd? I'm doing God's work. I'm taking care of the sheep that will be offered up as a sacrifice at the temple. And even in doing God's work, they too had to hear the word of the Lord that there's joy for them. There's joy for them. Many people live their lives. Many people live their lives even in the Lord, serving the Lord, doing things for God, serving people, but they miss out in living in joy. And that's what the Lord wants humanity to have, joy. Verse 11, look what he says to the shepherds, the Savior, yes, the Messiah. Why do you think he would say this? Because the shepherds knew the story. The shepherds know the prophecies. The shepherds are waiting for the Messiah. And he says, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. What do you think the angel is saying? You're taking care of the sacrifice but I've already placed the Lamb of God, the sacrifice of all humanity, and I wrapped him up, and he's there waiting. Go and get the Lamb of God and go to his feet. I mean, it's mind-blowing. And trust me, this, we could go so much deeper in this story. But it's mind-blowing that these men are taking care of the very sheep that could be used to forgive people of their sin. But the Lord is going to do away with this physical offering. And the angel says, take a walk to the manger. And there I put the sheep. And there he is laying. And he will take away the sin of the world. Go get him. Go look at him. Go worship him. Let's keep reading. And let's see what happens as they announce the birth of the Savior. Exactly what all of our needs, mankind's needs, is this. It's the Savior, the Savior. We don't need an advisor. We don't need any special counselor. We don't need anyone that could come and help reform anything in our lives, a committee. Of the, all we need in our lives is a Savior to be alive in us. It says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. <laughs> this is crazy. One angel is enough. But now you look up, and in the dark sky, there's beams of light shining all over the sky. And it says, love the scripture, because I, if you know me, and I've talked to you a lot about angels, um, my view of angels is very deep. It's not like these, it's not these weird Hollywood flapping things in the skies. These are God, like these are divine beings. And heaven is, the sky is full of them. And watch this. It says the armies of heaven praising God. That's what they are, the armies of heaven. Do you remember when the prophet gets the, gets the word and um, they said, hey, they're here to kill us. They're here to destroy us. And he, and, and he says, um, Lord, let him see with your eyes so that he could believe. And when the servant comes outside the tent, he looks up to the mountain, and what did he see as the enemies were there ready to kill him? What did he see around the mountains? He saw the army of God. He saw what the shepherds see today on the field. It's, it's heaven's army. Can you imagine what that must look like? What a commotion. All because Jesus is born. And they began to sing and say, glory to God in the highest peace on earth, 
to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. <laughs> let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They get it that the angels have given them a word from the Lord. They're not calling the angels lords, but the angels have given us a word from God. Let's go and see the Savior. Let's go and see the Messiah. Let's go and see the Lord. I want you to think about the contrast here. Where's Jesus at? Are you guys in the story with me? Where's he at right now? In the manger. Where are the shepherds? In the field with angels hanging out. Can you, can, are you seeing this picture? I, I want you to see the contrast here. I, I want you to see where one is at and where the other one is. It's, it's amazing. One is, is in the midst in the story of angelic glory all around them. And the other, humble Jesus, is, is there in the manger. I mean, how extreme is this? In one part of the earth, there's glory of heaven saying, over there in Bethlehem, the Son of God is born. And then over here, you hear donkeys and horses neighing and pigs oinking and all these things. And Jesus is there in their midst. I mean, what a picture this is. And it reminds me of the picture of heaven, that heaven is filled with glory. But he comes for the lost, for the broken, and for those who are living in darkness. He's made himself the humble servant of mankind to win them, to enter them into the glory of heaven. It's a beautiful picture of earth and heaven all happening at the same time because God's after your heart and your family's heart. He's after you. He's chasing you. He's running after you. I mean, so much that he stripped from glory and he came and made himself human flesh so that he can make himself known to you. This is why we're saying happy birthday, Jesus. I'd be in jail today. I'd be addicted today. I'd be dead today. Or I'd be lost today somehow. If Jesus did not appear in my life. Because that's where I was heading. Wasn't anywhere good. But Jesus came at the right time. Happy birthday, Jesus, because I was born again as well. Because you were born again as well. Amen. You know what this whole Bethlehem and the shepherd's field reminds me of? 2 Corinthians 4.7. Let's read it together. Watch this. This is a beautiful verse because it speaks of us. I mean, at least me. Watch this. We now have the light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, listen to that, are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. That's what that story reminds me of. It reminds me that it's all about Jesus and his great power. Look at verse 16. Guys, we're still in Luke 2. We haven't flipped around yet. Here it is. Verse 16, it says, They hurried to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Here are men that look after the lamb, the lambs that were for the temple. And they are the first ones to see, come on, the first ones to see the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sin of the world. What a gift God gives those shepherds. You worked so hard taking care of the sheep for the sin of my people. So I'm going to use you, and I'm going to allow you to be the first ones to see my sheep, the Lamb of God. What a, what a gift from God that day was to them. After seeing him, verse 17, the shepherds, guess what they became? Now they weren't only shepherds. You want to know what they became? What do you think they became? Verse 17, they became evangelists. It says, they told everyone. They began to evangelize the good news. 
They told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherds, heard the word of the shepherds, were astonished. And Mary kept all these things in her heart and she thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks. I don't know how they did that. Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. I want to bet that the the shepherds' lives were never the same again. How many of you would say, yeah, probably? They marveled. All that heard marveled by what was told to them by the shepherds. The shepherds' good news that they had amazed everyone who heard it. Even if they really didn't understand it. Shepherds, I think you guys have gone a little crazy out there. The sun's been beating on you too long. But they recognized that something significant had happened. They marveled. And Mary meditated on everything that was said, Scripture says. Everything that was going on there with her son. What is it that brought me to Bethlehem? Can you imagine Mary's thoughts? Come on, put yourself in this story. Why am I here? A Roman emperor's great decree. Because people were gossiping about why I really was pregnant in my hometown. Can you imagine what Mary went through as a young girl? And God works through all kinds of people and all kinds of events to accomplish his plan. Some of you are in church today and you're like, why in the world am I here? Can I give you the answer? Because God works through all sorts of people and uses all kinds of events to get at your heart, to tell you that he loves you and that he's here. It's not a coincidence that you're here. It's not a coincidence that someone spoke to you. All right. Everyone say that day, that night. night. Now we're going to fast forward eight days later. Everyone say eight days later. When the baby was circumcised, his name was Jesus, as was custom to name him. And the name given... To him by the angel even before he was conceived. Remember that, Mary, you need to name him Jesus, okay? God already named him. His name is Yeshua. And it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, must be dedicated to the Lord. And they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I want you to see this because now we're going to be introduced to a man named Simeon. All of this is happening in the birth of Jesus. Simeon would hear about this Jesus being born. Simeon would hear about the Messiah is soon coming because he's devout. You're going to see he's devout and he knows the words of the prophets and he's heard about John the Baptist and he knows that John the Baptist has been born on birth of angels. This, the shepherd's encounter has probably already got into his ears. It's been eight days. He was ready to hear this news. And Simeon, here it is, he's going to give what is known as Simeon's prophecy. We're going to read in verse 25. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms. Watch this was happening. All of this happening within a week. And he began to praise God. And look at the prayer. He said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised. I have seen your salvation. He's carrying Jesus, eight days old which you have prepared for all the people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about this eight-day-year-old Jesus. And Simeon blessed them. And look what he said to Mary, the baby's mother. He said, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. And he has been sent As a sign from God, but many will oppose him. A sign from God. A target is what Simeon is saying. Jesus will be a target 
that people will shoot at, but he will be a target of great and for great evil, to destroy great evil. They're going to come after him, but he will conquer. I'm telling you that all of this is happening during Jesus' birth. I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to get to my last part, which is Romans 5. Everyone say that same day. Jesus is about eight days old. We read about Simeon. We read about the shepherds. We read about Joseph and Mary. And there's a woman named Anna. In verse 36, we know her as a prophet. And it says, Anna, a prophet, was there in the temple as well. And she was the daughter of Phanel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married for only seven years. And she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She, she offered up the rest of her life to the house of God. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night. And she worshiped God with fasting and praying. For some of us, it's hard to get to church once a week. Once a month. And this woman says, I dedicate myself to the house of God every day with fasting and prayer and worship. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. She enters the room and she began to praise. Can you, I mean, this is so weird. Simeon is praying. Simeon hands Jesus back off to Mary. Your son's going to be amazing. Evil's going to try to attack him, but he's going to be a great wonder. Many are going to fall because of him, but many will arise. He's going to be salvation to the world. And, he, and Anna walks in while, while Simeon is like, what are you saying, Simeon? He's like, yes. And you could see her starting to jump. She's 84 years old. And she begins to scream in the temple. Woo, she's screaming. And this is what it says. She begins to praise God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for, the God, for God to rescue Jerusalem. And when Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned back home to Nazareth in Galilee. And there the child grew up healthy and strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Guys, all of this on Jesus' day. Amen. That's it. Now he's going to grow to become a teenager. We're not going to follow, continue to follow his story right now. Anna is freaking out. Simeon is wowing out. The shepherds are terrified and then amazed and become these evangelists and worship the Lord. Joseph and Mary, what a spectacle this was. All because God had you in mind. All this craziness. Just to get to you. That's mind-blowing. Happy birthday, Jesus. Amen. That's how it started. That's how it started. And then I'm going to close up with one passage of how it ended. But before we do that, as Amelia blessed us earlier with her beautiful voice, I'm going to ask one of my children, my beautiful Jade, and at this moment, she's going to sing with the angels, with the shepherds, with Simeon, and what Anna sang. Happy birthday, Jesus. Let's listen to these words.
She sings just like her dad. <laughs> Amen. And that's how it started. Amen? Amen. Beautiful words. If you listen to those words, um, it's all about him. And it's all for him. Amen? So how, why, why was all this and how did it end? And I end with Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12 Remember how we started off because of one man's disobedience, because of one man's sin, and then Jesus comes in this whole spectacle just for us. Don't miss this. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of forgiveness to many through the other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. It leads to our righteousness. Even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace 
and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. A free gift. Adam's gift brought consequences. The gift of sin upon all human race. His offense. Many died and continue to die. But Jesus, as scripture says, gives us a free gift. A free gift. The free gift of Jesus by the grace of God and now abounds to many. Adam's work brought death. But here's Jesus comes to earth and his work brings grace and brings life. Death reigned with Adam. See, everyone who dies, well, everyone who is born dies. There is no running from that. I was reading as one Bible scholar writes it. He says the mortality rate is 100%. No one survives. When a baby is born, it isn't a question whether the baby will live or die. It will most certainly die. The only question is when. We think of this world as the land of the living, he says, but in reality, it's more like the land of the dying. But look what he says, and the billions of human bodies cast into the earth over the centuries proves this. And I love this part. But Paul says that the reign of life through Jesus is much more certain. The believer's reign in life through Jesus is more certain than death. We're not worried about death because we live forever with Christ in eternity. Amen? So we'll keep reading Romans chapter 5, two more verses. It says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ, one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. That's why he did this. Because one person disobeyed God. Many become sinners. But because another person obeyed God, all now are made righteous in him. Happy birthday. I hope Jesus' birthday is also your birthday. Because you now are born again. Because he was born to you. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 5.21, look at these words with me. It says, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Man, what a beautiful reminder for this Christmas season. That now I am the righteousness of God because of Jesus' great coming. He came for me. He came for you so that we could be one again with God. Amen? Amen. So church, I really mean this. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. Because it has brought life and life abundantly into your life. If you need joy, let him bring you great joy. Come on, if you need healing, let him bring you great healing. This is the moment and this is the season for God to do once and for all the great miracle he needs to do in your life and in the life of your family. Now is the time. Come on, happy birthday, Jesus. Become alive in us.